Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast. On today's road trip, we are heading to Washington, D.C. to talk to E.A. Smirodo. E.A. is a novelist, musician, and a nuclear engineer. Her new book, The Silent Count, is available now. So, E.A., welcome to the RV. Thank you so much. I... I'm so happy to be here today. Yes, and I'm also very, very happy. And EA, you are from a Sicilian immigrant family. And we all know how Italians like getting together and eating and telling stories. Yes, my my family, everybody was a great storyteller and you had to keep up. So I, I have a feeling that's where my, my interest in storytelling and writing probably comes from there. But um, plus they had amazing lives back in Sicily where they're from, you know, they lived in poverty. They, my mother was an orphan, you know, she was grew up in an orphanage. In fact, she came to the United States um, because they were looking for somebody to be a, uh, a governess, you know, nanny for a diplomatic family. Um, I always, I always used to think that, oh, wow, you know, I bet, um, because she worked for, it, he was the military attache, and in spy novels, the military attache is always a spy, so I, I often thought, you know, maybe they wanted an orphan because she wouldn't um, steal any secrets and send them back to, you know, a connected mm -hmm. family back in Italy, and then I thought, you know, and then NATO was just getting to be, during those years, uh, important and I thought wow wouldn't that be an interesting spy novel <laughs> you know to have a an orphan who really was um connected and mm -hmm. finding secrets and sending them back uh to Italy but that of course is a novel for another time my mm -hmm. my new novel The Silent Count it is it is kind of an espionage thriller among other things and climate change thriller so uh but yeah the wheels are always turning and what do you like the most about Italian culture? Oh my goodness. Um, the food, the art, the architecture, the people are just so warm and friendly. My, um, they're very emotional, sometimes to the point of uh, there's, there's always a feud going on in my family. Somebody's always upset with somebody else. But for the most part, everybody, everybody supports everybody. So yeah, it's... Uh, mm -hmm. It's a blessing. Yeah, and you know, I agree with you. Italian yeah. food is the best. 
Um, my, my mother was a brilliant cook. Um, she passed away uh, about a, a little over a decade ago, but I, I would just watch her and try so hard to learn. And she was just so good that she would know without even looking. It was like seeing in the dark for her. But I think as time has gone on, I've gotten better. And my dad loves, he loves like peasant food, you know, pasta and lenticchia, you know, pasta with lentils and pasta fagioli, you know, pasta beans and all this stuff. So I, I just kind of have really tried to make what he likes and, and he's almost 90. So I think it's really good for him too. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it's a very healthy lifestyle. Like, oh yeah. We, we go crazy at Christmas time, by the way. So there's nothing healthy at Christmas. It's it's all, you know, the meatballs and the sausage. But um, as I said, I, I love cooking for the family. Yeah. So you wear so many hats. I see that you are also a singer, songwriter, screenwriter, and has won prizes in writing competitions. So where does your creativity and enthusiasm come from? I, I think just from a young age, I, I always had a creative streak. And I think the, the scientific side is, is creative too. I think it's part of a continuum. Uh, but as a child, you know, my mother, my mother was a seamstress. In addition to being a brilliant cook, she was a seamstress. And we, she would come home and she would just look at something and make it. And also she crocheted. She would look at something and just copy it and make beautiful clothes. And so she would have extra fabric and our Barbies, Barbie dolls. Uh-huh. Um, we made all kinds of beautiful clothes for the Barbies, you know, all kinds of crazy outfits. We would design them. So the, the creativity started really young. And then my sister and my cousins, we would make up stories about our dolls and about people we knew. So it was always just something we did for fun. I guess before, you know, people had a, a telephone to constantly look at, we had to entertain ourselves. Mm-hmm. I really believe it influenced you for sure. Oh yes, for sure. Yeah. And oh. also I see that you were a finalist in the Washington Post's Pips diorama. <laughs> I did I so the Washington Post used to have an annual peeps diorama contest at Easter time and I used to make I said okay I'm gonna make peeps diorama so I made all these peeps dioramas over the years and they would lose but one year I won I, I was a finalist and it was in a newspaper and they actually used mine as the as the um thumbnail we had to click onto the article and they had a a reader's choice and I was one of the you know I got a lot of reader votes for it I was it was the highest achievement of my whole life (laughs) so the the peep I what I did was you know if you remember Pope Benedict retired before Pope, Pope Francis became the Pope so he retired which was unheard of for a Pope to just retire so I figured well what's he going to do when he retires so I made the peep and I made him a little snowy white wig and I made him a little uh, his robes you know with the uh-huh. gold um and put sunglasses on him and made him like on a desert island I used cat litter for the, uh-huh. for the stand and a little cat toy was a beach ball and I made a little tiny drink out of the dollhouse uh, glass 
So he had a little, with a little umbrella in it. So he was enjoying his retirement on the beach. Wow. And uh, was it a long time ago? Because Pope Francis is not. It was a while ago. So yeah, I have to, I have to achieve something else because it has been a while, but it really was a, a highlight of my, uh, my creative endeavors for sure. Yeah, and congratulations, because this is something <laughs> that will be always, you always re remember about this moment. That, and EA, you are the first nuclear engineer on the show. Oh, wow. The first one. So out of curiosity, what does a nuclear engineer do? Ah. Uh, well, there's lots of different things they do. And that's one of the reasons why I went into nuclear engineering as opposed to, I was kind of the Renaissance woman of the engineering majors because I started out in electrical, then I changed my major to biomedical. And finally I, I went with nuclear, um, well, chemical and then nuclear. So uh, it's sort of a, a progression, but I was so fascinated by the history of of nuclear science in the United States, you know, think of who's, who's the greatest of all the nuclear scientists of all time. In my opinion, it was Madame Curie. So it, it was oh. very easy to be inspired by, by Madame Curie um, and see, uh, you know, how much she changed the world. But in any case, um, a nuclear engineer can do different things. So most of them work in the nuclear power industry. So you have nuclear power plants and they make sure they operate safely. And they make sure that um, the fuel is disposed of properly, you know, that kind of thing. So, so that's one aspect. Um, that was never really my intention to work in a, in a plan, even though I've been to many plants around the world actually. Um, but I went into the weapons non-proliferation side. So with nuclear, you also have the nuclear weapons consideration. Um, there's the prospect, of course, of nuclear weapons getting into the wrong hands or nuclear technology getting into the wrong hands. Mm. And we need to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, um, and I am interested in nuclear power, of course, as a non-polluting, non-greenhouse gas emitting uh, source of power. Uh, but I think my heart was really in the, the other side of things where um, I am involved in making sure that nuclear technology doesn't get into the wrong hands. This is very important. Your work is fantastic because this is oh. something that sometimes I, when I'm sleeping, I start thinking about these things and I can't sleep anymore. I feel so blessed that I do this and get paid to do it. It's a, it's a wonderful, uh, it's something I hope to do forever. Yeah. And write too. I do lots of things. You published a climate change thriller entitled The Silent Count. Yes. So in my opinion, climate change is the biggest challenge that humanity faces today. So can you tell a little bit about this book without spoilers? Um, well, I started writing it actually some time ago. I, I can tell you the origin story if you're interested. I was a student in, in school when in college, I took my nuclear engineering class, Introduction to Nuclear Engineering. And the first page of the book, and this is a previous edition of the book now, the first page said, nuclear weapons can be used to eliminate mountain ranges that um, and create more 
favorable weather patterns, which I thought was crazy. And of course he said, you know, this is just a theoretical idea, but uh-huh. I thought, wow, someone should write a science fiction novel about that. So nobody did. So eventually as climate change grew worse, I thought, well, there's a story there. Maybe I can use that kind of in a sat- satirical way to, sh- to show what would happen if uh, someone decided to use nuclear weapons because they were so desperate to do something about the climate to create more favorable weather patterns and do something about climate change. So that's that's the premise of the, the novel. But as the thriller, uh, of course, all kinds of terrible things have to happen to the poor main character. Uh-huh. Um, there's you know evil government operatives involved. There's a romance with the I won't say who because it's a it's a spoiler if I do. You know one of the characters is a um, musician. So I as a musician you know I've written a lot of music. I've put some of my song lyrics in it, and you can actually hear some of the songs on. I put them on YouTube. People can hear them at EA Smeraldo, my YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway. There's, um, so what, what, what brought me to the story was just so many horrible things seem to be happening in the climate to the point where as time went on and I would write it here and there, the climate in real life was worse than what was going on in the novel. You know, there, there were buildings, you know, building in uh, Florida would just fell to the ground because of seawater incursion, you know, um, and killed all these people the number of square feet, uh, square miles of the forest fires was so big that I actually had to increase the number of miles to, to make up square miles to match what was happening in real life. So it's sort of like in real time, I kept having to make make it, a, you know, something even worse. I thought, well, you know, climate change is a something we just deal with every day. You know, one day something terrible happens and then no one does anything and, and life just goes on but it, it seems like the situation in real life got so urgent that I had to add that to the novel. Is it totally fiction or there are some things that can happen? Well, certainly um, it's fiction, of course. The story is fiction. <laughs> I Thank God, because if I had to go through what this poor woman in the story went through, um, I don't know that I'd be here to talk to you. But um, I think that... Uh, Certainly, the the situation with the disasters that happened in the story. There, you know, there's there's one scene where um, the character is taking her father to his job, and there's a flood near, you know, on the way to the to getting him to his job, and she has to take him because they they're she's got huge student loan debts that she has to pay, and the father has all these debts, and he's all she has. So, um, in any case, in the story, I think there's like a two two hundred year floods happen one year after the other. Well, now this sort of this really happened not too far from where I live. Um, it happens in, in the United States all the time now. So, so yeah. anyway, yes, there's some things are based on reality, sadly. Unfortunately, yes. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, my daughter is always talking about how nuclear power is such a clean type of energy. So I haven't had the chance to talk about it with a nuclear engineer. EA, could you tell me a little bit about the benefits of nuclear power for sustainability? That's so great that your daughter thinks that. I love it. The message is getting out there. Yeah. Um, it's so good to know. Well, you know, of course, there, there are different arguments for, for and against nuclear energy, but um, I think we can, we're, it's safe to say that nuclear power does not release greenhouse gases into the air. So you, you eliminate, you know, a lot of the problems that, that we have for climate. Um, you know, we want to get to net zero emissions in 2050, we're not on track, but if you increase your, you know, non-polluting sources, and then you, of course, have to reforest, uh, there's a few other things you can do to remove the, the pollutants from the air, um, then you might be able to get there. So, so nuclear power does that. Um, but, you know, now they're actually, they have designs that they're approving for what they call small modular reactors. They're smaller, they're safer. Um, and for example, some of them can be used to produce, for example, hydrogen to power the factories of the future. You know, a lot of the, the terrible pollution we see would be from say a steel plant or a, you know, one of these great big industrial complexes. So if you use a clean source to just, just give you the energy you need for that, that uh, factory, you, you know, you could really save save the world. I I just got um my novel just got written about in hydrogen fuel news and I was so excited. I I don't talk a lot about hydrogen in the book, but um it's definitely something that you know I, I don't believe that just nuclear power should be our energy source. I believe that we need all kinds of options. You know, and that's for national security reasons too, because you know some sources of energy require um you know, specialized minerals that, you know, certain countries have and some don't. And if they withhold them, then you've got a national security problem. Mm -hmm. So, um, so in that respect, yes. So nuclear has a lot of advantages and there's, the problem is we, we've, we're late to the game with the new technology. And I know that, um, you know, some of the, like the accident in Fukushima, Japan was, was a part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were a lot of, a lot of, um, permits that were applied for in the United States um, prior to the Fukushima problem. So many people withdrew their applications because they just didn't want to deal with the, the risk, the public perception that nuclear power is dangerous. But a, a lot of people do say that the, the crisis in Japan could have been avoided because, um, not to get too much in the weeds here, you, you could have used probabilistic risk assessment to realize that um, a massive tsunami could have happened and your diesel engines were in, you know, in the line of fire, you could have put them in higher ground or you could have put them in a, in a, um, you know, something that was waterproof. There, there were different things you could do to have avoided that. So that's, uh, 
yeah, I could talk about nuclear power all day. <laughs> it's it's a, it's definitely yeah. I'm a big geek. What can I say? It's it's fun. It's fun yeah. for me. Yeah, and there is something interesting. We do not see many female in a power position, and I saw that your main character is a woman, Dara Baldwin. Is she a main, yeah. the main character? She's a woman. Yes, yes. Do you see yourself in this character? Um, I, I guess in some ways because she's an in, she's introverted. She's um, she loves rock and roll music and punk rock music, and I guess I love that too. Uh, so there there are some similarities, but yeah. definitely you know whenever you write, you're you always put facets of yourself and what you write maybe you got inspired by any role models maybe dara is a mix of many powerful women that you've met well i think dara starts out as a young woman who's sort of broken you know she's not powerful until later but but she is sure of herself when it comes to her what she has uh, created. You know, she's created a, a method for uh, dealing with the climate change using the nuclear, uh, well, using some nuclear items. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so she's very confident in her ability. She She's horrified when she sees people getting ahead who just don't deserve it. You know, she works for the federal government at the time in the story and I think those of us who have ever been government employees know, and this might be something from my own experience, it's uh, it's not always an, it's not always pleasant, yeah. you know. And being a young woman in a field, I think more and more women are going into it now, but there, it's still a very male-dominated field, you know. It's getting better, you know. Before, women uh, in the United States could not serve on, for example, nuclear submarines, so a lot of the pipeline for people getting into the field were people from the Navy who served on submarines, all brilliant, you know, they they're, they're, there's like a ready supply of brilliant people and they're all men. So the women just could not compete with that. No. They could, but just not to the extent because were they on submarines? No, but that's changing now. Now I guess women can serve on submarines. So, you know, I think we're, we'll, we'll see more and they'll, they'll have a better pipeline for, for more people going in this field. Uh -huh. I'm happy to know that things are changing and women can be also in this field. Hmm? Yeah. And, you know, nuclear medicine, there's, there's a lot out there besides just nuclear power, um, non-proliferation, that's my area. Um, I didn't even know, I just knew about nuclear power from my education, uh, but they don't really go into, at least I don't think they do as much on other possibilities for your Uh -huh. your career so I think uh, some people are a little afraid of hmm, this doesn't look very interesting I have to be in a power plant and wear hard hat and but no I can't wear my you know yeah you, you certainly can't wear high heels or a skirt no. in, the, in the power plant for sure but there's lots of other options yeah for sure the important thing is when you are happy doing what you are doing oh yes for sure I, and I wish that for, you know, the young people today, I, and that's one thing, my, my character is a young person, you know, she's just out of finishing her 
her PhD, but she's a she's sort of a child genius, so she finishes it early. So she's in her early 20s, just starting out in life, and they have debt, they have inflation, they have um, a whole different world. You know, social media can be very, I don't know if I would have liked having that as a young person. Um, you don't know who's real, who's not, who, who can you trust? So these themes are all, all in my novel too. Oh, okay, it's good to know. EA, I feel like people aren't as worried as they should be when it comes to our environment. I actually published a children's book to inspire the younger generations. So what do you think is the most urgent thing we should all do right now? Well, I mean, I'm pretty biased, but I like to think that we need more nuclear power. (laughs) So there's that, but, but also we need better research. You know, the science needs to bring us to a point where um, hydrogen or solar, you know, we we have the right materials, you know, it's not just the, the power there, you know, there's wind turbines, there's all these things you can use, but we need to make, make sure that, um, you know, we, we have enough of what we need, you know, carbon capture. That's another thing. I'm not completely, you know, we have great coal in the United States and we need a lot of electricity, we need a lot of energy, but coal is disastrous for the environment. So if they developed carbon capture that worked properly and that was safe, you know, it it can be very unsafe, I think at this time in its life. Um, If they could do that, that would be, a wonderful step forward, you know, and then because it's not just the United States or Europe that we're talking about, there's a lot of countries that are very poor, but what they have coal, you know, but, you know, they, they deserve, they deserve to be able to um, develop their economies. They deserve that. We developed our economies. They should be able to do that as well. And if they have the technology needs to, to be there for them, like it was for us. Yeah. So when it comes to climate change, I like to think that technology can be our answer. Not the technologies used in the book, because it does involve using nuclear weapons yeah. to destroy mm-hmm. um, mountain ranges, but things are pretty dire in the book. Not quite as, mm-hmm. not quite. What was the most difficult part for you? To write the book? Yes. Oh, dear. Um, well, certainly finding the time and, you know, and then I, I would get into these um, situations where you write yourself into a corner where it's like, that can't work. But I really like that part, but it doesn't work with the rest of the story. So, you know, and I am writing a sequel. So some of these are going to be in the sequel. Um, but yeah, I think um, the challenge of writing, I, you know, I didn't, I've never written a novel before. This is my first one. I, I have written screenplay, which, um, was uh, it won a prize in a contest. So, well, the treatment got optioned. So I, I have written, a, but a screenplay is 100 pages. You know, a novel's almost 300 pages. Some people go way longer. I don't know that I could do that. So, you know, finding a way, and I, I like to, I have a few different storylines, but they all came, came together. So that was a big challenge too, to make sure that, you know, there was nothing there that didn't belong there, but of course you need enough to make, 300 pages so but one part that was really hard to write you know there's a scene 
I won't go into too much detail, but the, you know, the character in the novel, she lost her mother when she was young. And um, so there, there's a sequence where she has a dream and she meets her mother. And that's, that was very emotional to write because, you know, I, I lost my mother some years ago, but it never stopped, you know, it never stops being in your heart. Yeah, I'm sorry to oh, know about it. It was a, you know, it, it, um, it's very therapeutic to write though. I tell you, it's uh, I, I have to do more. <laughs> yes. So I'm happy to know you are going to write a sequel and yeah. do you have a date already to publish it? No, know? no, no. Um, I, I'm very grateful to my publisher, Solstice uh, Publishing, for publishing my first novel. Uh, it is for one book, <laughs> but who knows? Um, if, if it gets enough interest, maybe maybe uh, there will be an audience for a sequel, but I'll write it regardless because, you know, I think the story is in my heart and, you know, I want my character to come back and we'll see. She's got, she's got big goals. I'm not gonna say what she needs to do because that might spoil the previous story, but she's got, she's got, she's got her work cut out for her. And EA, would you like to leave a message to our listeners? Oh, wow. Um, well, summer is coming soon to close. So enjoy the time. It'll go fast. Spend more time with your loved ones. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's important. You know, yeah. I, as I said, I'm so blessed to have my family near me, but I've, I've got family in Italy. I've got to get out to see them. And now that the pandemic, uh, I think they lifted the, a lot of the requirements to go to Italy. I, I really need to. So enjoy have adventures, love your, your loved ones, hold them close. Yeah, exactly. And EA, where can our listeners find you and, of course, your book? I'm on Amazon. They can purchase it there. Uh, it's uh, in paperback or it's an ebook. It's EA Smeraldo, S M I R O L D O. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram and everything's and YouTube even on my channel with my my song. I've got a song, but I'm putting more. So that's that's like a little soundtrack for the novel. So E A Smaldo, everything's at an E A Smaldo E A Smaldo author is the Facebook page they could look for, and Twitter. Yeah, these days you have all of the all of these accounts. Well, E A, you are brilliant. You also have songs on youtube or is yes right yeah yeah from the novel the, the lyrics in the novel i used to play in a band more out there um but um now i play mostly for for the cat here in the, the house but um no but i i you know i licensed some music to tv show and i was was nominated for something called a whammy washington area music award back in the in the day so um i play the guitar and i, I say no, tell me tell fun. us what you cannot do yeah <laughs> oh i i i can't do a lot of things for sure <laughs> i can't keep my cat quiet that's one of them <laughs> i think she wears the pants in the, in the household he wants to participate yes of course. <laughs> So EA was such a pleasure to talk with you. And I wanted to know that our doors are always open 
for you. And I'm going to wait for the sequel. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.